It's almost like if someone were to ask our kids, Who is your daddy and what does he do? They should be able to say, he walks in his integrity. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 142. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Choi. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to our third conversation here in our Training Wheels series that we're having. And on this episode, we're talking about integrity, being people of our word. And I think it's something like we talked about in the last episode that's so important for us, no matter whether we're a parent or not. I mean, just being the kind of people who are count-onable and trustworthy is a huge deal, especially in the eyes of God. Such a good word. I think that's a Ken Leach word. Count-onable. Such a <laughs> such an important concept. Yeah, I lo- and I love this metaphor of life as a house that we're building on, so to speak, as we as we think about having a foundation, having integrity in the structure of our kids' lives. Well, speaking of structural integrity, our conversation starter here on this episode is a video that we dropped earlier on in the series, and let's go ahead and listen to that as we kick off this conversation today, and that daily download episode was called Structural Integrity. This is Training Wheels. Structural Integrity. The New Yorker called it the 59-story crisis. In June of 1978, a college student called renowned structural engineer William Le Masurier to say a massive skyscraper he designed wasn't sound. His building, the Citigroup Center, was the world's seventh tallest at the time. At first, he blew it off. But upon inspection, he realized that someone switched the welded joints to cheaper bolts during construction. It was such a small change, but it would have spelled disaster in a strong wind. And Midtown Manhattan isn't the only place where a lack of structural integrity can bring down the house. As we lay the foundation for our children, how do we stay true to God's original design for the home, giving their lives the stability they need? Here's the big idea. Integrity reinforces our kids' structural support system. It's not enough to keep the big promises. You've got to keep the little ones, too. Jesus reminds us that one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Luke 16.10 Every time you make good on a promise, it's like you're using God's original, trustworthy building material. But if you start to break your word, it won't take long before their trust in you comes tumbling down. Whatever we say, we do. We're trustworthy and reliable. A good quality to have as a parent and in all other relationships. As James said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. James 5, verse 12. Developing integrity isn't always fun or convenient, but through repetition and follow-through, we strengthen our kids' trust in us. Set clear boundaries and expectations ahead of time so they know the consequences before they act. No waffling or excuses. We view discipline as an act of love, just like God does. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Hebrews 12, 5-6. So here's the big question. Do your kids see you as someone who always keeps your commitments? So follow along with this guided study at biblegeeks.fm slash trainingwheels. And may the Lord bless you and keep you today. Shalom. As always, the episode is not yet over, (laughs) but we are thinking here about the study guide that you can actually go download in our show notes right now. And as we have this example conversation 
about what this guided study is leading us to, what is the big idea that we found in this video? As we talked about, integrity reinforces our kids' structural support system. Their sense of safety and confidence build the more they understand that some things are stable. Some things, as you said, are count-onable, like their parents' (laughs) commitments, their parents' character. And when they know that the boundaries we've laid are fixed, they don't have to retest them all the time. You know, see, hey, how far can I bend this? Is this really a a rule that you're going to hold to? If we're building their lives like a house, we want them to have sturdy walls, to have a roof that won't cave in when things are tough. And that really comes from us reinforcing and continually showing them that they can trust what we say and who we are, really. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's all about them and their perception of us and how we're presenting ourselves to them. Not that we're putting on a show for them. I don't even think that's possible. I think they're always going to see right (laughs) through that. Our kids always know more about us, I think, than anyone else does. But as we get into this big question, I think that kind of leads us to ask ourselves, do our kids see us as someone who always keeps our commitments? And that's a hard one really to grapple with because as much as I might view myself as a trustworthy kind of person, if I think of myself as faithful and reliable, well, if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I think trust is also. I think no matter how dependable we feel, what do our kids see? And are they seeing things as accurately as we think we're seeing things? And so for us, I know it could be easy for me to forget about that time that I told my daughter that I was going to take her somewhere. And then I kind of blew it off last minute because I got busy with doing something. Well, that's going to make an impact on her. You know, have I made rules like you were just talking about and let them kind of push the limits of those rules until the consequences that I laid out just don't mean anything anymore? Am I being consistent on those things? And are they seeing that? It matters what they think of us. And so it's up to us really to constantly shore up those connections and make sure that they can look at us and know exactly what they should expect when they interact with us. Yeah, that's a really challenging way to put that as I kind of put myself in our kids' shoes and kind of think about, like, my oldest daughter is the kind of person, like myself, honestly, especially as a younger person, that puts a lot of hope into the things that they're anticipating. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, last Monday, Monday's her day off, and she wanted to have this baking contest between (laughs) her and Adrian and me and Asher, and then the younger ones were going to judge it. And we were trying to get it to work all day, and we watched a baking show, and we're like building up to it. And then it turned out we didn't have all the ingredients she wanted, and we weren't able to like go and make it happen. And it was like she was just crushed because she put so much into looking forward to some things and some things that doesn't work out. And so you're like, look, it's going to be okay. We'll we'll reset. We'll do it again (laughs) next week. Yeah, we could do it this other way. But if you want it to be this, here's how we're going to make it work. It definitely changes the question whenever you think it's not what I see. But what do they see and and are they feeling like there's this sense of of confidence where uh, even in that situation, did we handle that in a way? And, and I think we did that it at least conveyed to our kids that there isn't like we're just blowing off something that we said we were going to do. We take these things seriously. We're going to 
work with it. And and that's not a big, I'm not trying to make that into a big example, but it's just a, a little illustration of their world sometimes rests on a small thing. Absolutely. So as we start to think about how our kids see us, it might be helpful for us to ask ourselves this question. And maybe as an icebreaker, we can kind of think about this for ourselves. How do I feel? How do we feel when we're not really sure how somebody's going to react? And I think there's a lot of scenarios where we're going into a conversation, we're expecting, we're anticipating something, and we don't know how the person on the other end is going to handle that. And are you just totally able to handle those with ease and grace? (laughs) No, no. It makes me uneasy sometimes. A lot of times I think I become over careful. Mm -hmm. You're not fully speaking up. You're trying to manage the situation, trying to manage maybe the person, trying to read them, make sure it doesn't blow up in your face. It's definitely a strain on a relationship or on an interaction whenever you have this sense that it could go this way or it could go totally the other way. And this thing could get really explosive without any real warning. I've had a boss who was exactly like that. He was, you just had no idea which person you were going to be interacting with on which day. He would either be super bubbly and excited and happy-go-lucky, and the next day he just wanted to rip everyone's heads off. And it was like, you know, (laughs) I I can't handle this. And for me, as somebody who's just a self-professed over-preparer, like, I am the kind of person who plays out every possible scenario about what's going to happen in every conversation that I might have with someone in my head before I actually have it. Over the years, though, I've started to really associate that kind of like hyper aware fixation with like an elevated heart rate and trouble Mm. sleeping and like extreme shoulder tension. Like my body tells me when I'm doing this, it reminds me like, hey, dude, knock it off. (laughs) And it's like really stressful not knowing how someone's going to respond. And so you contrast that with the kind of ease and peacefulness when you talk to like a family member or a dear friend, somebody who you know, like even if you're going to bring them some kind of bomb that that is going to rock their world, like you know beforehand exactly how they're going to respond. That's a lot easier to deal with than somebody who's just totally capable of flying off the handle or unstable in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's not just familiarity. Like you said, your illustration of the boss is a good illustration. It's you can know someone and know that they're not consistent in their response, but it's, it's just being able to have a sense that this person has some control over themselves and some consistency and stability in in who they are. And it's for sure easy to point to other people and say, well, man, they're just super inconsistent. But I think the whole point of this (laughs) is to think about ourselves and turn this inwardly. So let's keep the conversation going here as we get into our first segment. And that is Jesus said. And so we're going here to Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13. This is the verse that we were talking about in the conversation starter there, where Jesus says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. No one can serve two masters. He's either going to hate the one or love the other, or he's going to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And so the point here really is, is you've got to take the small things very seriously, especially as God is trusting you as his servant, as he is our master. So as you think about this for yourself, what does this really teach you about consistency and integrity. Well, it definitely says that a little goes a long way as we've, I think, already even started to, in some of what we've talked about, suggest. There's this scene in the movie Hook with Robin Williams. He's playing Peter Pan 
And he repeatedly breaks promises to his son. He's not coming to his baseball game or maybe some other commitments as this business lawyer, this high profile cutthroat attorney that he is. And so he tells his son, son, my word is my bond. And his son says, yeah, junk bonds, (laughs) which sounds like a pretty snotty thing to say, but it really illustrates, I think, the fact that this kid had no confidence whatsoever in his dad and what his dad says. Yeah. okay, tell me whatever you want. Your word doesn't really mean anything. And so, again, it might seem like a small thing, but those small things add up. And Jesus says, honor those small things. Or why would anyone expect to count on you in the big ones? And if we're people of character like God, we have to view the big commitments and the little commitments the same. There's an interesting thing that happens in that movie. The bad guy, of course, Captain Hook, tries to use Pan's failure to keep those promises as a way to turn his son against him. And that's kind of interesting and kind of scary because our enemy will do the same to our kids and to us to use our broken promises, to use our lack of integrity to break down our relationship with our kids, our influence to turn them on the wrong path. I mean, these are our choices and we're making it easy for the evil one. If we aren't walking with integrity, it's a really sobering thought how influential our actions can be. And even those little actions, like you talked about, I mean, it really doesn't take a whole lot. And that's what I was thinking when I came to this verse. It's about the little things. And when I start to think about like, Who are the people that I trust? Who are the people in my life that I am just 100% confident and know that when they tell me something, I can take it to the bank? And when I think about those kinds of people, why do I view them that way? Like, why do I view those people as trustworthy and reliable? It's not because they did some grand act once in their life for me. Most of the time, it's these small little moments that shows me how important they view the trust that we have and that bond that we have. And so I think about like somebody who showed up at the airport to get you and they were on time. Like they didn't leave you there waiting for hours and hours. You trust somebody because they remembered your parents' name and thought to ask about how they were doing. Like you trust somebody because they've never gossiped to you about anyone else. So you know that when you share something with them, they're not going to turn around and gossip to somebody else. Like It doesn't take Abraham level sacrificing our child on the mountain kinds of moments for someone to build their trust in us. And I think when we recognize those little moments and those tiny, smaller opportunities every day, when we seize those, then we build a bridge between us that's going to be really, really hard to break down. And as we talk about our trust in other people, of course, what Jesus is talking about here is God's trust in us. God is going to trust us because of the small things that we're faithful with, even as we're faithful with the big things. Yeah, bringing that back to what the Lord sees really elevates the whole conversation that much more, that God is watching and seeing how much can I entrust this person with? How much will this person be faithful with? And the blessings come with responsibility. And so as we are faithful in those in the small blessings and those small responsibilities, then we show the Lord we can handle more. I think one of the things we did on the last episode as I was re-listening to it again, I think we talked about like, not that everything is like sinless perfection and we're living in utopia or anything like that. Like we, we put all these asterisks around our conversation last week that I thought was kind of funny. And I want to do it again here. 
because, you know, <laughs> as we start thinking about our relationships to our kids and you kind of brought it up, like you had a failure that you were just sharing with us a little bit earlier. Like you did not mm. follow through with your daughter and like, okay, I've done that too. And if we just let it go by and we don't address it and we don't talk about it and make a moment about it and make sure they understand that, yes, this was really important, but it was sort of overcome by other events that we couldn't control. If we stop and we talk to them about how we understand what that looks like from their perspective and we help them see that we're not perfect, I think that's also showing them integrity. It's also showing them that like we're not only putting on the front of perfection for them. We're not telling them that like I do everything perfectly and I will never make a mistake. When we're able to actually say in honesty, like, yes, watch me as I succeed, but also watch me as I fail. That can be a really trust building exercise for them because they'll know that when we do have something to apologize for, oh, look, he's proven himself that he will do that for me, that he'll apologize and own his mistakes. And okay, yeah, your five-year-old kid is probably not thinking that deeply, but I think as they start to get older, hopefully they're going to start to see we're acknowledging the good things and the bad things. Yeah, that's what blamelessness is. Oh, yeah. And the Bible, bring the New Testament especially, keeps bringing up you need to be blameless. Well, does that mean you're perfect? Does that mean you're sinless? Well, blameless and sinless aren't the same thing. Blameless means whenever I do something wrong, I deal with it. I do everything I can to make it right. I try to work through it and give people a sense that they still can put confidence in me. All right, so let's get into our second segment here on the episode, and that is Top 4 Proverbs. One, two, three, four. Ah, ah, ah. So we're going to go through four of our favorite Proverbs, and if you want to find a list of Proverbs that could be helpful for you on integrity, go check out our study guide where there's a whole list of them there, and you can pick your favorite and have a conversation about it, share the things that you found. But Ryan... What's number one, your top proverb on integrity? Proverb number one is from Proverbs 11, verse three. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. <laughs> think about all the choices that we have as parents. I think it's easy to lose your way in the millions of different choices, different ways. What should I prioritize in the million kind of mid-level priorities for what's going to be the best for my child further on. What There's just a lot of things that you're trying to navigate as a parent and I guess just as a person, really. And so we need good tools to help us find our way. And people invest a lot in books and apps and tools. And This verse says one of our best tools for guidance, for finding our way, is our integrity. It paints this picture like you're, you're on a journey and there's dangers around you. And it says that what you need when you're lost in the woods, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you need a good compass. You mm -hmm. need a map. And, and the good compass you can count on here is integrity. The integrity of the upright guides them. That's what our integrity offers. It doesn't eliminate all our options or force us into one path, but it clarifies a lot of things. I said I would do this thing. I'm going to do it. Maybe it would make my life easier to do that other thing, but that would be improper. I'm not going to do it. So integrity really eliminates a lot of options, lets us know which way is true north. And it really does cut out a lot of options, I think. But on the other hand, the duplicity of people who have no firm resolve to do right 
or keep their word or it says they're crooked. And that's this idea of being twisted. This word here has also the sense of being overthrown. They're going to be led right off a cliff. They're going through a dangerous path and they're going to fall into a trap. They're going to have these difficulties that come and it's going to come from their choices. Your own choices when you don't walk with integrity are going to destroy you. It's like Proverbs keeps it real simple. It's like (laughs) everything's pretty black and white in the world of Proverbs. You do this, things go well and you have a clear path forward. You do this other thing and you're going to find a path to destruction. It's amazing how similar a lot of these proverbs on integrity are. They say different things, but they're very, very similar, which is kind of leads me to the proverb number two that I had picked out is Proverbs 10, verse 9. And it just feeds right off into the one that you read there. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So again, there is integrity and sort of a walking and, and how we walk there. But then there's a crooked one who something is going to happen to them. In the one you read, it was that he would be destroyed. And in this one, it's that he'll be found out. And so I think as I read this, that actions speak way louder than words. Just pops to mind here as I read this. It's really hard to hide a lack of integrity. I can tell people all day long. I can tell my kids all day long to trust me. But what are those words unless I actually prove it with my actions? If I'm going to live a crooked life, a twisted life, a life that just isn't stable, well, it's not going to take very long for people to figure out that I'm that kind of way. Somebody just needs to ask me to pick them up at the airport and I'm like, yeah, I will. And then I sleep in and, and forget about it. Okay, well, now I've, I've proven myself to be not a very trustworthy kind of person. And so I think for people to look at us, they're going to see that by the way that we live our lives, that we are either person of integrity or not. And if we walk in integrity, we walk securely. Like you were talking about this guidance that we have, this almost GPS compass-like direction that we have. Well, we also walk securely. And I think that's so important for us to see is that it's really hard sometimes, like you were talking about earlier, about walking sort of, you didn't say the words, but you were almost talking about walking on eggshells around people, mm-hmm. you know, just being super hyper careful about what you do around certain people. And that's how we can be. If we are the kind of unstable kinds of people, people will walk carefully around us. And I think we are on full display in our homes. It's not like a lot of other more guarded relationships. Our kids see everything. Who else is it that's going to see us at our highest highs and our lowest lows, but our family? I mean, if we think we're hiding anything, we're just fooling ourselves. They're going to find out. Yeah, we did a daily download a while back that I quoted the Beatles song, I'm looking through you. And that's what our kids are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through you. I see everything and and I can see your your motives. I can see your inconsistencies. I can see what really matters to you, not what you say matters to you. And so, yeah, the the security that comes from staying on the path. And like you brought up, whenever we fall off of the path or we we get something wrong, dealing with it, which is part of which is part of walking in the light, right? Oh, yeah. First John 1, 7 to 10 is owning it when we get it wrong and getting back up. And there's one of the Proverbs says something like the righteous fall down 
seven times and rise again every time or something like that. You know, we we keep going. Don't make this top five proverbs. We gotta we gotta <laughs> keep to a format here, man. <laughs> okay, well I'll go right to number three here, which which ties in really well. The righteous who walks in his integrity, and again, that's completeness, wholeness. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. I was hoping you would pick this one because I almost did. So I love it. It's Proverbs 20, verse seven. I couldn't believe you didn't. So I was like, oh yeah, that's getting getting in there. And people will do a lot of weird and crazy things for their kids, obviously. I just, our family at Christmas time watched Jingle All the Way this year, which we don't <laughs> It's not one of our usual ones, but it's such a silly example of just going to extremes. Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to do whatever he can to get this toy that's a popular toy for his kid. <laughs> but you don't have to. You can look around and see real examples all over the place. People want to give kids the things they want. Of course, the things they need. Jesus talked about that. We give our kids good things when they ask. Get them into good schools, maybe. Give them a better life than they had themselves. People pour themselves, and and I do as well, we all do, into trying to bless our kids. Well, here we see that one of the best things we can do for our kids' lives is to live a righteous life. We don't need to spoil them with every gift they could want. What we really need to give them is a life of righteousness and wisdom that is going to bless them. A lot of the Proverbs, most of the Proverbs really, point to the wise and righteous person as the beneficiary of their own good choices. Good things are going to happen to you, and there's a lot of specifics that the Proverbs give whenever you make those wise and righteous choices. But this one says, their children will be the beneficiaries. The reward for your integrity is this. God is going to bring his blessing on your kids. And what a thing to to think about, to give me confidence and security as I grow old, as I prepare to leave this world someday, as you move on and your kids grow up, what a legacy to think of. If you have lived that kind of blameless life, you are bringing a blessing to your kids. It's almost like if someone were to ask our kids, who is your daddy and what does he do? They should be able to say he walks in his integrity. <laughs> oh, man, you've been working on that over there, busting out the soundboard and everything. I have been hanging on to that sound clip. And you mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger. It feels like it was just fitting. So no, but seriously, like I love that point that it's almost like a heritage or inheritance that we pass down to them as we walk in integrity. We're blessing them to see what that looks like and to experience the blessings of that on themselves. I love it. So what, bring us home, what is Proverbs number four? All right, Proverbs number four is Proverbs 12, verse 22. This takes a little bit of a turn here where he says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. And as I started thinking about integrity, saying true things, following through on what we promise to do. Truthfulness isn't always fun or convenient. And I think we've nodded to that a few times. There was a, an I Love Lucy episode that our family loves where Ricky bets Lucy that she can't tell the truth for the whole day. And so one of the big tests is when she goes upstairs to play cards with her friends and the host of the party, she just remodeled her living room with this like horrible looking furniture. And this woman walks in with this ridiculous looking hat on 
And they're all asking Lucy, like, what do you think? And you can see her like twisting and contorting herself to like try to weasel word around saying what she's really thinking, because obviously at that moment she can't lie until finally the floodgates just open up and she starts speaking her mind and she tells the host of the party that she hates her furniture and she tells the woman wearing the hat that like her hat is ridiculous looking. All of a sudden it's like this weight was lifted off of her and she was finally able to tell people what she was really thinking. But I mean, for us, it might seem extreme to call our lack of follow through lying, but our commitments are really serious to God. I think it's easy for us to feel like lying is just a convenient or feel good kind of thing to do in the moment, but it is absolutely not. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and we need to be the kind of people who do what we say we're going to do and follow through on those commitments. That is the definition of faithfulness that he talks about there at the end. Those who act faithfully are his delight. So when I make a promise to my family, even if I don't think it's that serious or that big of a deal, I better be willing to follow through. If for no other reason, then God is always watching. That's that's quite a closer. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants to think of themselves as a liar. That's quite a an insult, even when the scriptures say, oh, yeah. 1 John 1 again, whoever says they've never sinned, you're a liar. That's said for impact. You're meant to get the point because everyone understands that being a liar or lying is awful. And so to think of our lack of follow through as lying is is a good way to recognize the seriousness of saying one thing and doing something else. And that's what Jesus and James and all these passages that we keep referencing want us to get. Well, and, and I think a lot of parents struggle teaching them to tell the truth. Sometimes instilling truthfulness in a child is really challenging, and it's only going to be harder if you're not modeling that for them in a way that they'd never be able to look at you and say, dad lied to me. That, that's going to be incredibly hard to get over, I think, unless we're really yeah. careful. So yeah, those are four of our favorite proverbs on integrity. Let's move on to our third segment here on the episode, and that is our reach out challenge. Reach out, reach out and touch someone. So here we have a question that we're going to ask each other, maybe get a little bit vulnerable again. Go ahead, Ryan, you've got the question for the week. All right. The question is, when do you find it a challenge to stay consistent as a parent? I think when it makes life harder for me, that's when I have the hardest time staying consistent as a parent. And you mentioned on the last episode, I think the episode before that, you've just been talking about strategies this whole time, that you're strategy <laughs> yeah. people. And I'm sure right. that's going to continue over the, over the coming weeks. But like, I think I struggle with those kinds of strategies. I struggle putting those kinds of things into practice. Sherilyn and I can sit down over dinner and we can agree that we're going to do this or that. We're going to follow this strategy or we're going to handle things in this way. When it comes down to enforcing that strategy or putting that thing into place, it's really hard in the moment to either remember to do those things or to follow through, especially when it's going to make life a little bit harder. And I think mostly for us, they're like those small moments where it's just easier to give in. Like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'd like a little bit of peace and quiet. And there's no amount of pre-planning for me that seems to make a huge difference. And that's something that I struggle with a lot. And so does Cheryl. And I think we both do. It's easy to put in place positive routines. Like tonight, we went and had our regular daddy-daughter night. We went and got dessert tonight. And it was just something that Ashlyn was excited about. 
She was reminding me about it. It sounds like what Anna was doing about the bake-off. I mean, definitely when they're excited about it, it's hard to forget those things. But sometimes the routines or rules aren't really fun. They're not something that we look forward to. And so I can sometimes be too much of a pushover or a softy and just let it slide in those moments. And that's something that I'm definitely thinking about more and more is like following through. When I say something needs to be done, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. It is one of those things that is really deeply set in me as a as a commitment. If we set it, it's locked in. And like when it's con- inconvenient, when it's awful, we're still going to do it when, it, you know, and Adrian sometimes is is the voice of common sense <laughs> on it. Like the Bake Off, I'm like, we can still do this. And it's their bedtime. I already talked on it. We're going to have this. And it's like, sometimes it actually does make sense to adjust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is a hard thing to navigate because you don't want to adjust too much. You don't want to be, you don't want it to become a looser thing. But sometimes, first of all, sometimes we give rules or commands that we don't actually want to enforce or they're impossible to enforce. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why did somebody say that? Why, you know, why did I make that commitment? And so the question comes up, why did we make that as a rule? So then we try to carefully navigate it to try to maintain the integrity. There you go. You brought up being careful. You put yourself in a situation where now you're walking on eggshells, right? You're not standing on secure ground. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to maintain the integrity of our word and our authority. But to say that actually didn't make sense. And sometimes now my kids are at the age where they make their case and sometimes make really good points. (laughs) And that can throw us into conflict where you have to think, okay, I want to hold to what I said, but not senselessly. Right. So sometimes I've said, you know what? Asher makes a great point. He said it respectfully. So we're going to adjust the rules and we're going to make this tweak to the rule that we we made. And I think, like you said earlier, sometimes that can just even more add to the integrity of what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. But it's very, it's something to do very carefully. And so I, I think that's where this kind of conversation about Having integrity, but also having discernment and wisdom in how you're managing that can be really important. And being honest throughout the process about everything, including your your mistakes. Well, don't you even see that with God? I mean, how like Moses could plead his case before God. And even though God wanted to do something like destroy the nation of Israel, Moses begging on their behalf caused God to reconsider. You know, just even that idea that God was going to do something, he was set on doing something, but he changed his mind. Not that we're God in this scenario, obviously, but I think when our kids can come to us and and talk to us and know that they can have a conversation with us where we'll actually listen and that we will consider what they're saying and change our direction if it makes sense to do that. I think that's a great example. But then still, We need to make sure that we're balancing that with never allowing them to always like steamroll us and wipe out any authority that we might have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've always had a rule. As soon as you started whining, it took the options out of my toolbox. Oh, that's good. Another (laughs) strategy I will try to implement and forget to implement. (laughs) Like as soon as they start complaining or whining, it's like, well, now I can't reconsider and and it it just changes things whenever it's approached well and whenever the kids 
are expressing something and they're not melting down on you. And then then it's like, oh, okay. so now I'm going to teach them that melting down is how they change everything that we just said. No, that can never be something that's that's, uh, communicated. So. Okay, so as we wrap up this episode on talking about integrity, we've got a challenge this week that we encourage you to do along with us. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. Yeah, we're going to challenge all of us to sit down with our spouses and evaluate our consistency, discipline, and follow through. It's so great to have partners. I love doing this thing with you, Brian. It's uh, it's way better than, <laughs> I mean, I would never even think of doing something like this <laughs> if it wasn't with you. And if you think about parenting, God designed the family to where we have a parent partner. And in marriage, we have someone who is just as committed to our kids and our parenting as we are. Even though a mom and dad might have different takes on things, I think that's how we're made We have to look honestly. We have to hear each other out. We have to try honestly to see where we as a team need to improve. And so that's why I think these kind of conversations with some regularity, some kind of let's check in. How are we doing in a certain area? I I think that can be really valuable to keep us on the same page and keep us improving and growing as our kids grow into new stages of development. And I think it's important to have those conversations detached from the moments of stress and anxiety that we might be talking about. It might be really tempting to have these kinds of conversations about our discipline, maybe our follow through in the moment when stuff is just going bad. But like kind of stepping back, letting the emotions chill out a little bit and maybe Mm. having this conversation around dinner or something like that. These are always great conversations when we have them. So if you are a parent, find your buddy. And sit down and talk about what's going on with consistency, discipline, and follow through. I love this challenge. So let's wrap this thing up with a closing prayer. The suggested prayer in the study guide is, Righteous Lord, help me handle life's matters with honesty. And again, that's based off of Luke 16 that we talked about earlier. And so we'll incorporate that into our own prayer here to close out the episode. So let's go ahead and pray. Holy God, we're so grateful to you for who you are and for the blessings that you've given us and our families. As we rely on you and we trust in your promises to use us, oh God, as parents, we pray that you'll help us to be trustworthy and reliable for our children like you are for us. Help us to handle our walk through this world with integrity, with ourselves, with our families, with the church, and with the world around us. And when we wander from the narrow path of truth and light that you've called us to, we pray that you'll correct us and lead us back to you. We praise you for your faithfulness toward us, and may we always seek to model that to those under our care. All these things we pray through Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so next week, we are continuing this conversation in our Training Wheels series with our fourth guided study session on graciously training our kids, not frustrating them. And this, I think, is the last conversation talking about stable foundations that we've sort of been doing in these first four episodes. But I think this is really where Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 kind of plays out. And that's actually one of the verses that we encourage you to read this week before that episode. Read Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, Matthew 11, 25 to 30, and Colossians 3, verses 20 to 21. That'll get you up to speed for the conversation next week, where we're going to talk really about how easy it is for us to push our kids maybe, maybe too far. 
Yeah, there's not a lot of New Testament commandments specifically about how to parent, but one of them is to fathers about what we shouldn't do. And that's that's kind of the starting point of that conversation. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at biblegeeks.fm slash 142. You can find the downloadable printable guide for this episode, this conversation, session three, there on our website as well. You can also find all of these things at biblegeeks.fm slash training wheels. And if you want to share these conversations with a friend, we have all of these conversation starters now. They should all be published to our website. You can go share all these with people on Facebook or wherever you might find them. And we'd love it if you do that. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.